Hello, everyone. Welcome to Thoughts and Tea here on Radio Africa 1804. I am your host, Lori Lee, and I've really been looking forward to today's discussion. Um, as, as a big sister, I think one of the most amazing things I've had the pleasure of witnessing is my sister, my little sister, Kara, becoming a mom. And my niece, Savannah, is going to be turning one in just five short weeks, which I can't even believe. Um, but it's been almost a year already. And she's the sweetest, most perfect little human being and also the most demanding, right? As I guess any child her age would be. And my sister has just... She's just like stepped up to this challenge as if she had been training for this all her life. Like things, and I think, you know, aside from her husband, I feel like no one knows my sister better than me. And she's doing things, you know, naturally. It's just coming to her and, and it's not something we've ever talked about or something that she ever told me she researched. She's just doing it, right? And she's really, really been killing it. And I'm really proud and it's it just it just shows me just how much parenting is this really huge job. This huge job that there's no manual for. Um I remember watching um for Father's Day this documentary called Dads, which I think I talked about before. And one of the stories Will Smith told was on the day um that his son Jaden was being born. He was, you know, he had gotten this like huge new TV with like a picture in picture situation. And it came with this, you know, telephone book sized manual. And he was all into it um, as his wife had gone into labor. And, you know, they, they, he dropped, obviously dropped everything and ran to the hospital. And, you know, his son was born and it was this amazing experience. And then they came home. And he's like, you know, looking at the TV and the manual on the floor, and he's got this whole human being in his hand that came with nothing, no instructions, no idea what to do from this point on, right? And he made this joke about how, like, the hospital, without asking them any questions, without testing them on anything, just let them take this life home. And you just kind of have to figure it out on your own. It's this really big job. And... Under normal circumstances, there's this whole system, you know, hopefully this whole system built around us to provide support, right? You know, you hear people say all the time that it takes a village and our village is usually made up of, you know, our family, our friends, our loved ones. And then you've got these other extensions within teachers and coaches and everybody's playing this part in raising our kids. So that got me thinking, well, what about life right now, right? What about in a pandemic when our access to our family and loved ones and friends and teachers and coaches is restricted and we're limited to just, you know, virtual everything? What does that mean? And that's what I wanted to discuss today, right? Parenting during a pandemic. So we have a very, very special guest today. Her name is Sylvie Abedu, and I'm really excited to have her on. Sylvie is a um, friend of mine from high school, so way, 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 way back when. Actually, I think um, we became friends in eighth grade, so we're talking... Ugh, I was 11 when I was in eighth grade. Um, so that's a really, really long time ago. And um, Sylvia is now a mother of two. And I thought just the perfect person to have this conversation with. So Sylvie, welcome to Thoughts and Tea. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you about all of this. So before we get into it, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your family? Well, um, before I start, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for including me in this great conversation um, for people to hear and for me to share my experience. Um, it definitely is an experience. Um, 
I like you said, I have two kids. I have a six-year-old boy, Asando, and I have a four-and-a-half-year-old girl, Leia. And um, uh, my husband and I, we were we met in New York, and from New York, I was teaching, and from New York, um, we moved to South Jersey, and I was teaching at a school in Philadelphia. And um, my son at the time was about three, and he was sick all the time. I'm going to say like every two weeks, uh, he was home from daycare. And so it was a challenge. And um, I had worked since I was 14. And so it never came across my mind that I would not work. Mm -hmm. And um, so my husband and I had that tough conversation. Uh, Maybe we should get a nanny. (laughs) and then we thought about getting a nanny and then I started thinking I'm spending so much time with other kids that my kid is struggling health-wise I'm I gotta just stay home with him so we made that decision and from there my husband got a job in Georgia so we're in Georgia now and um and I've been a stay-at-home mom since we've been here for three years and um it was it was intimidating it was really intimidating, um, and it was challenging because I didn't know these little beings Monday through Friday mm-hmm. from morning to six. I knew them Monday through Friday. I took you to daycare, and I knew you after six o'clock. That meant dinner, bath, go to sleep. I didn't know 12 o'clock, you're hungry, you need to eat, and mm-hmm. Um, like nine o'clock is breakfast. I started following the daycare schedule. And then from there, I kind of worked out a schedule for ourselves. Um, and so I say all that because, um, now during the pandemic, I can imagine how difficult it is for a lot of families whose world has to stop because of the pandemic. Like there are people who are working and figuring out their kid and their schooling. And so it's just, it's just a lot. But I'm just so grateful that I get to be a mom and raise these two beautiful, beautiful children. And, um, and it turns out my son has asthma. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and they couldn't, they couldn't diagnose him then. And, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's sort of how we started off with, um, me home, me being at home. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And actually, just listening to you say that um, before we kind of jump into our COVID, um, you know, COVID questions, I wanted to ask you a little bit more, if you don't mind sharing about coming to that decision, right? Like, I think it's, it's amazing to have that opportunity, right? Because there's so many people that don't have it. And then I think sometimes people do have the opportunity, but there's this, um, I don't know, I think it's its really hard to come to that decision, especially like yeah. listening to you talk and say, I've been working since I was 14, right? There's, yeah. a, there's so much that I think we put on what we do for a living or the fact that we have a job to to tell us who we are. So it's, it's a big decision to say, I'm going to take a step back from that. And to me, it make, it makes so much sense. Right. But I wanted to ask you, like, how was that? How kind of was your, your thought process during that time? If you don't mind sharing. No, no, I don't mind at all. You know, in fact, I still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Um, when I decided I was going to stay at home, that meant I couldn't get the things that I wanted in terms of, you know, um, materialistic thing. Right, right. <laughs> and, and I had to come to, I, and you know what, I had to come to that realization. Like, is, is that important to me? Is, is that more important? And it's not to say that, um, that people think, oh yeah, they'd rather have the luxuries of life and be with their kids. But the other aspect is, it can be intimidating. Like, what if I mess up? What if I do a disservice to my child? There are people, professionals put in place who went through school to be able to handle the tantrums, handle potty training, handle feeding, handle motor skills. And so for me, I taught middle school and high school. And um, I came to the realization that teaching my, or being with my toddlers was like being with middle schoolers. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
always been able to make my own money. And there's a there's a certain pride of that when you come into a relationship. And um, my husband and I, our money is one. Yeah. But um, but I can still say I'm able to contribute financially. I can contribute in so many aspects of life, and financial is included. And when I decided, when we were thinking about me staying at home, I knew that was going to be taken away. And then in some ways, I felt like my job as a mom wasn't enough. Mm. It sounds crazy saying it out loud, but I felt that way. As if I would be better off contributing financially and working and being a mom. But like I said, every household is um, a case-by-case situation. And so um, I needed to decide for me. And my husband's been supportive from day one. I mean, now he says, look, if you want to go back to work, you can go, it's, it's fine. We, let's figure this out. Whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable with. So I need to decide for me um, that that's okay. It's okay if I can, if I have to depend on my husband to take care of us. I needed to trust that we were going to be okay. Yeah. And so, and then I got this. It's okay. I can be with these little ones. Um, Naturally, we as parents, I remember listening to one of your podcasts, I think it was the last one about mentorship. Your parents are your first mentor. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm their teacher anyway. And so, um, and being in Georgia, so when we moved to Georgia, by the time we moved here, it was September, and for me to get a teaching position, I would have already had um, gotten a job offer from February or March. And so, and school starts here in eight, in August. So, I mean, that's too late for me. Right. So I was like, oh, maybe I can just get any kind of job. Like I have other skills I can do. And then next year I'll teach. And I realized, oh, that any kind of other job will pay, it'll be my whole salary on daycare. I might as well just stay home. And, um, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself, but that's when the idea of homeschooling came in. But, um, yeah, it, and then it, it, and then it's also empowering to see your kids striving with you being their mentor, their teacher, their role model. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's got to be an amazing feeling. I, I love that you yeah. shared that because I think... Um, sometimes, you know, we limit ourselves, right? Like everybody's story is different. That's like, that's one of my things that I say all the time because, um, my story is different, right? Like I thought I would be in a relationship and married and have kids by the time I was like 25, right? So that, that did not happen. And so my life is very different from what, um, people would expect or what uh, society would deem as like, this is the proper timeline for someone. And so I'm always trying to encourage people to do what is best for them. And sometimes that means doing something that looks really different from everyone around you. So yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Okay, so let's go into our topic here a little more. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about like, what was your routine as a mom and with your family pre-COVID? Okay, so pre-COVID, my kids are now of school age, in the beginning, school age. Mm -hmm. So I am not just a stay-at-home mom, I'm homeschooling them as well. And so um, Monday through Friday, we would do schoolwork. Um, But Mondays, I was a part of a, a homeschool group, Classical Conversations. And so they had a teacher outside of me for three hours teaching them. And from that group, um, we had a lot of activities. And so it was never a dull moment. We were always out, either on a hike or meeting at the park or at a museum or planning an event to get the families together. And so... um, um, being a stay-at-home mom didn't mess it up literally home all the time. Yeah. Once school was over, sometimes school happened in the evening because we had the luxury of doing that. And so we would go to the museum and we would educate that way. We would find out about dinosaurs or find out, or do a science, go to a science museum and learn from that. Um, 
Um, we might say we're going to go to the park after breakfast. And so we were um, very much involved in the community and meeting up with people and um, uh, uh, supporting like the small uh, libraries where we would do support, like school t- school there and crafts and story time. And so um, it it was a lot. There, I mean, it was a time where my kids would say, "Mommy, what are we going to do today?" <laughs> and then I would break down everything that we did. Here's the schedule. This is what we're doing today. And they'd be really excited for the next adventure. And so um, that was life pre-COVID. Nice. So really busy. And they were obviously getting out and about and interacting yeah. with other kids and doing tons of activities. So I think that's different from what people think about when they think of homeschooling, right? Like oh, yeah. they think you're just cooped up inside all day and your kids are not meeting other kids. That's really not yeah. the case. No, not at all. And and in Georgia, there's so much support or so many resources for homeschooling that it doesn't have to be like that. Kids can have, there are so many hybrid programs where kids could be in school three days a week and then be home two days a week. um, I think the biggest concern people have with homeschoolers are, are they getting that social interaction? Mm -hmm. What if they're weird? And I can tell you this, my son's an introvert. Being in school is not going to make him an extrovert. Right. But being able to have the social skills, the necessary social skills, how to deal with conflict, how to, all that happens in school. So I needed to make sure when we're at the park and somebody's not being fair, don't come to me. Go talk to them about it. Because if I'm not here, so they got their social in, in that way. Um, there was always a, a lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. We discussed our day by the end of the day. And we talked about what could we have done different. I mean, I'm talking about. At the time, they were um, three and five. <laughs> well, how would you have handled that differently? <laughs> and, you know, you have these conversations with these kids. But um, these are the lessons that they they have anyway if they were in school yeah. Monday through Friday outside of their parents. It's just our parents didn't necessarily have those conversations, but they happen. And so... I got to be able to be a part of those conversations which was, and, fil- and facilitate that, which was really nice. That sounds nice. So going back to, let's say, March this year when mm-hmm. um, all of this stuff starts coming out and, you know, there's this shutdown and mm-hmm. all of these restrictions start coming into play. How did that, like, how were you impacted like how was your family life impacted by the restrictions that came along with this pandemic well um very different yeah um i felt like there were two different kind of people and and how they responded to this pandemic there was those who kind of felt like oh it's not that serious we can meet up anyway let's just like we're not going to let the government tell us what to do and then there were the people who were extremely fearful. Like, oh my goodness, people are dying. I got to stay home. I, I can't see anybody. I need to, how am I going to eat? You know, how am I going to keep a job? And then there was me. Oh my gosh, I can sit at home and just relax and chill out. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I was in the middle. I was definitely in the middle. I For, for me, my response was, this is, this must be very real because it's not affecting people in Georgia. It is affecting my family in New York. It is affecting um, people outside of the country. It is affecting the world. Yeah. And so for me, um, you would listen to the media and it was very confused. It, it was very, it was a lot of confusion. And I just decided, never mind what the media said. What do you, how do you want to approach this? Mm-hmm. So, from the beginning, I approached it with caution. Sure, I used an excuse to stay home and just kind of like veg out a little bit. But um, moving forward, like we're ma- we're mask wearing people, and we don't see any shame in that. Um, and there are people that I know who don't wear masks. Every household is different. Yeah, do what you feel is best for your household. For me, I wanted to be. Um, I'm a rule follower too. So for me, I wanted to be respectful of those who might be uncomfortable. So if I was visiting someone, I'm going to wear my mask because you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And then for people who didn't need it, sometimes I felt convicted, like I need to wear my mask. And so, um, 
we didn't see anybody really until until um may no june i think it's about until june so from march to june we really like we, we my husband and i took turns going grocery shopping we didn't take the kids out we did the trails um in georgia there there are a lot of um uh, the trails are accessible and so um there weren't it wasn't a shutdown like the way it is in it was in new york mm-hmm. and so we still had access to being outside and then we would do like we live on only half an acre and so we would have like um a, a trail walk in our backyard or in the subdivision so I, I wanted to keep some sort of normal for my kids yeah. and I knew that my kids were starting to get affected when my four-year-old said mommy when are we going to have a tea party with my friends when are my cousins going to come over mm-hmm. and I'm like oh she's starting to feel it and then my son was starting saying when are we going to go to the park my introvert who didn't care about having friends wanted to see friends he wanted to go to the park and then so that's when my husband and I needed to reevaluate how we were doing things. And so if we took them to the park, we still did it with caution. Yeah. In June, we were going nine o'clock in the morning when we knew nobody was really at the park. Um, and so we slowly, we started letting out a little bit, but we were comfortable in how we did it. And so, you know, there were a lot of people um, outraged. We were not going to be outraged. We were we were going to do what was best for our household and do it as respectfully as we could. And, um, and for me, that was the best way that I could have handled it. And I did explain to my kids, listen, there's a virus called coronavirus. <laughs> and so we should wear our masks and this is why and blah, blah, blah. And so my, my four-year-old, um, we, we don't, we still don't always take them out grocery shopping, but she'll say, mommy, can I go to Publix with you? I'll wear my mask. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> things. like, man, for her to have that, you know, on her, it, it's, it's not always fair. Like you, you don't want to take away the fun of grocery shopping. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of sad that, you know, the only way she feels like she can go out is if she wears her mask. But unfortunately, this is the time that we're living right now. And we're going to be the best that we can be and and staying as mentally healthy as we could as we can mentally and emotionally healthy as we could can definitely and I think it's great I mean the fact that you explained to them what was going on that shows you that she you know she's aware if she's four and she's like I want to go out but I'll put my mask on like I'll be safe (laughs) that's what you want right for them to at least understand what's happening and and you know get how important it is for them to be safe right now yeah it's interesting because my kids like to play outside and sometimes it's too hot to play outside and my six-year-old son would be like I'm gonna go outside because I need some more vitamin D and so I'm gonna go run <laughs> can I ride my bike and I'm like yes so you know that's like, we're gonna wash our hands and you know so it's just really nice how we talked about this thing the safety aspect. What can we do to keep ourselves healthy? We need to drink lots of water, less sugar, more water. Mm-hmm. So Bella had enough of candy. Like he's just sort of like me, like the structured rule follower. And I'm like, oh, but yeah, it's amazing to see um, how much they understand because they're aware. They go out and they see people in masks. Yeah. So then you got to explain to them why people are wearing masks. I love that. So do they, do they kind of, you know, grasp the the idea or understand that the world is a little bit different right now, and and we yeah. are limited in what we can and can't do. Like they they get that. They do. They understand it to a certain to a certain extent. Sometimes I have to remind them. And so my my daughter the other day said, um, "Mommy, I'm not going to get the coronavirus because I'm healthy." <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it felt kind of random, but. Obviously, these are impressions that are put on these kids, and so you don't know what they're thinking of. And my kids will sort of say whatever's on their mind sometimes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so, but life is sort of becoming a little normal for them. So we are back with uh, a homeschool group. Mm-hmm. We meet every Monday, but now we do it with math. And so um, they've gotten a little bit of normal back into their lives. And, um, and so it's good to see that, um, that they are feeling, um, not as, as drained as they were, as they started to feel when they weren't seeing anyone. I thought, you know, I really needed that break and it'll be good for them, but 
in May or June, my daughter was like, when are we going to have people come over? When are we going to have a tea party? I started seeing that that can mess with their emotional health when they're yeah. used to a certain norm. And so, um, at, at old school way is, you know, you do what I say and, and, and not what I do, but <laughs> I, I felt like, um, I needed to hear her out. And so we didn't have a tea party, but we went out for a trail. And so, and I said, and we can do it again in our backyard and we can have a tea party amongst us in our backyard. We never got to that tea party in the backyard, but just to know that I hear you, we yeah. can't, we can't go by, we can't always give you what you want, but I hear you and this is how I can help you. And so I love that in a way it, it empowers them. It is really different for them, right? Like I'm thinking, um, I was chatting with my sister about this. Um, My niece, Savvy, is going to be one. And, you know, it's crazy how fast that went by. Yeah. And, you know, my sister has said, like, she feels in a way her first year was robbed from her, right? Like, you know, we are, you know, my family, we are a family that loves to entertain. We love to get together. Um, you know, my parents have a pool in the backyard and last summer was all about sitting by the pool with family and friends. And we didn't get to do that with her like that. The first few months of, of COVID or the first few months of her life, I guess, really, um, so many of our family members hadn't gotten the chance to meet her. Right. Right. Like there, it would just, it wasn't possible. And similar to you, I think it was around May. I think Mother's Day was the first okay. time that um, I went to see went to see my parents since everything started, and we just kind of all sat together, you know, with a safe distance between each other. But we sat together in the backyard, and little by little, every weekend we kind of had our our group, right? Like our safe group. Like we know everybody in this group is staying safe. <laughs> You know, we're we're yeah. all wearing masks and we're all being very careful, especially because of Savannah, right? Like you you don't want to have anyone around that maybe is, you know, not as cautious. Like right. when, by the time my mom got back to work, she would, you know, come home before she does anything, go upstairs, take a shower, kind of wash off the day before mm-hmm. interacting with anyone. And right. So there was just, there's, it, it's not the typical, um, this isn't what I'm sure my sister and her husband had envisioned for Savvy's first year of life, right? Like to still have so many cousins and aunts and uncles that she doesn't know. Um, and that now that things are starting to open back up and she's seeing people, it's like a lot of, it's, it's been heavy for her, I think, right? Like yeah. <laughs> this past weekend we had, um, we had some, some friends and family over and you could see on her face, like, she's like, what is happening? Like there are, there's, <laughs> usually there's only like six people around me. And right now there's 10 people here and I'm trying to yeah. figure out who's who. And it's so different for her. And, and she's a, and she's a baby, right? Like she's not even talking yet. So for you with your kids, you know, how, how do you think we can balance keeping kids safe and also allowing them to still socialize and develop some of those skills that you mentioned that are so important? Yeah. So you, you mentioned how family oriented you are. And so my family, I left Georgia and I left my family in New York to join a whole new family that I didn't realize I had here. Um, I had a lot of cousins who moved here. And so, um, but there's nothing like not having your parents and your sisters, you know, your siblings are your everyday, you know? And so for me, it's hard because when we moved here, we still saw my parents often. I still saw my mother-in-law, my husband's mom often. And so I felt like nothing, no, no beat was skipped when we moved here. And when COVID happened, um, everybody started staying away. And I think for us, um, we started doing the Zooms and the birthday Zooms and that kind of died down. But I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really important to have conversations in your household about where we are mentally and emotionally with all that's happening. And so, um, and I asked my kids, I, I mean, I, 
I don't do it in like a sophisticated way, but I'll say, you know, how was your day today? What was your favorite part of the day? And what was the part of the day that you wish didn't happen? And so that that gives me an idea of where they are mm-hmm. during COVID. And so um, they will say my favorite part of the day was this, but I didn't like that this happened. And then we talked about being solution-based. What could you have done to prevent that from happening? Or if something like that were to happen again, what could you have done so that you feel like you're heard and making sure it doesn't happen again? And so um, I think so, I think when your world changes, so many people, like for me, I, I, I needed to control so much of my life that um, um, for me having, being a Christian and being a believer um, that helps me keep my faith on God. I, I know that I can expect anything can happen at every given, given moment. Mm-hmm. And so for every step of the way, I have to take it a day, day by day. So, and I have to give myself grace. Yeah, There are going to be meltdowns. There are going to be a times where I'm going to have like a meltdown, where I'm going to shut down. And how do I respond to that? Give yourself grace. Allow room for failure. It's okay. Things are not always going to be perfect, especially when you have to be cooped up in the house. And it's been sort of changing for my husband, too. He he went from working from home two days a week to working from home five days a week. And so being at home, um, it's, it's challenging because he's in a meeting and his boss is like, oh, man, the kids are really having a good time. He's like, you hear them? <laughs> and so... I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just couldn't go outside anymore. Like, I'm just exhausted. I can't go out again. And so it's been, it's been, it's been exhausting in some ways. And in some ways, it's been emotionally draining trying to manage the kids and then having a life for myself. I'm, I'm starting a little, not really a co-op, kind of. Um, I'm writing a curriculum. And I'm like, so if I want to do things for me, I have to manage them so that he can get his work done. And so it's, it's emotionally, draining some days but then I have to look at it like it's okay (laughs) like be grateful for something yeah when I tell my kids what are you grateful for I need to I need to now apply that for me what are you grateful for I'm grateful for good health that we're all in good health and at the end of the day nothing else matters yeah if we don't get we don't get to go outside or we don't get to see a family member, or Gamea can't come from New York, or Papa can't come from. New- it's be grateful that you can still have. Thank goodness for te- um, technology. Yeah, like you can still have that interaction with them. It's not the same, but um, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. And then I think, and, and I think the lesson for for us is I try to keep remind my kids. Um, although they're still young, and, and even this is something that we as adults struggle with, we need to find a way of being content in whatever situation that we're in. And if we're not happy with it, how can we, in a way, how can we change it, but in a way still being grateful for what we have and where we are? Sometimes it's very hard. Some people, their world is upside down because they cannot give their great-grandmother a hug. Yeah. That's hard. How could you be content during that? Maybe that might be, hey, maybe I'll get my grandma, great-grandma a phone and I can FaceTime with her. Like, what can you do in the moment to be as mentally and emotionally healthy? And, like, that is sort of my motto during this time. Yeah, I think you, you said something that really hit the nail on the head for me, which is, like, we have to learn to give ourselves some grace, right? Yeah. Like. I'm, um, I think about myself in this situation and I've been, when it first started, I was like, it's okay. Like, I'll just be home. I'm one of those people. I don't know if I would consider myself an introvert, but I really do enjoy spending time by myself (laughs) um, as much as I enjoy spending time with family and friends. So in the beginning I was like, okay, I'm just going to be, it's just going to be me for a minute. And, um, I gave myself a routine, right? Like, as long as I have a routine, I kind of feel like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Waking up at this time, I'm doing all my virtual meetings all day. And then after that, I'm going to go for a walk in the park. And, you know, I started to give myself like a plan. And I think that made me feel better. Like that made me feel like I knew what I was doing or like I had a little bit of control. Um, But the minute that changes 
or the minute something I thought I could do, I can no longer do, then it's like things are a little upside down or like, you know, trying to not being able to solve something at work as quickly because I'm not there in person, like all of these little things that started to affect me because I I have a system and I have a way I take care of things. And I was chatting with a colleague of mine and she said it about herself. And I thought, oh my God, like that's what I need to do. She's like, I'm a perfectionist at work. And I had to realize that during this pandemic, that I would not be able to be as effective as I usually am. Like I just had to accept it and try to adjust, find new ways to be effective, new ways to be efficient. And if I couldn't do something in the time that I normally would, just be okay with that, right? And extend that to my coworkers. The, the, um, what I would expect from people before, like, you know, normally it takes you X, Y, Z amount of time to get this done. Give everybody a little bit of breathing room because we're all trying to figure it out and everybody's situation is different. So you you really, really have to give yourself that grace and give people around you that grace as well. Yeah, I agree. One of a, a friend of mine, um, she said to me, when I got married, she said, you know, my advice to you is be willing to accept that your husband is going to change. Mm. And I'm like, wow, no one has ever given me that kind of advice. And that might be for the good and that might be for the worst, but you're going, you're in it together is what she was saying. And and I think that would be my advice with, with life. Be willing to accept that life is not going to go as accordingly. Yeah. And, and, and it is what it is. You know, plant things change. I didn't think I admired stay at home moms, but I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna stay at home with these. <laughs> Even when I was thinking about it, yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, no, I can't, I can't stay home with these kids. But <laughs> I needed to be willing to accept. And now I don't see life without me being home with my kids. Now I decide. I'm, I'm, I was so like about working. Now I'm like, if I'm gonna work, I still have to be able to work where I can still be present in their lives. Yeah. And so life has changed for me. And so it might even change again, where I might have to go back to work. They might have to go to school. I need to be willing to accept that life is going to change. I think that's huge. We One of the biggest things, I think, to figuring out how to navigate through life is being able to adjust. Things yeah. are always going to change. It's how you adjust to them. If If you can keep that in the back of your mind continue to think on your toes, figure out how to make things work when they're not happening as you expect, it can make things so much easier. If I had Twitter, I would tweet that, be willing to adjust. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's, yeah. so, it's so big. It's so true. It is. Like, come on, people. What can we do to make... How can we as a people, particularly in America in this time, how can we stand together and adjust together in the most positive way without being as divisive as we are right now? Yeah. What can we do? Yeah. Instead of going, by, oh, why are you wearing a mask or why aren't you wearing a mask? Why can't we just be together, stand together in respecting of one another's decisions? We have to be willing to adjust. That's you adjust thing. to your atmosphere. I, that's one of the things I don't understand. Like, I, you know, and I think everybody should have the right to do what works for them. But yeah. when you are coming into contact with other people, it's not just about you, right? You have right. to respect the people around you. And this fight over mask or no mask, it's just yeah. like way over my head. I don't understand I the big deal about putting a mask on to A, protect yourself or protect other people. Like if you yeah. typically don't need to wear it for for you, that's fine, and you can go about your day, and you're not really running into people. Okay, but if you're going into a building and you plan on getting an elevator where somebody else might be on, and that person prefers to have a mask on and prefers to, you know, protect themselves in that way, what does it cost you to put your mask yeah. on your face? Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> what are, what are you gonna do, right? <laughs> We're never going to be able to understand everyone. Yeah, and exactly. Like, I have to be, I had to also um, be willing to accept that people do not, everybody doesn't think like me and that's okay. 
Yeah, and that's how okay. can I how can I still exist in this world with them? And so as positively, right, as we can, because I'm teaching my kids a whole lot based on my behavior. And yeah. so um and that's and that's a be- that's a beautiful thing. Um life is short. You said just Sabi's about to be a year. I yeah. can't believe it. And so it's just like that. It was like she was born the other day. And so I feel the same with my kids. I look at old videos of them and I'm like, oh my goodness. And you get to be a part of that progression. And so one day we're going to have a conversation about when COVID first started. Yep. And so are we going to be proud of where we are best selves? Are we going to be proud of how we responded? So why, why not? Why not do what's best or I don't know, figure it out, figure out um, how to exist as emotionally mentally. I keep saying emotionally mentally because I know it's really, really hard for people. I don't want to disqualify that. Um, And and I feel for a lot of people. And so all I can do is for me, all I can do is pray. Um, um, But for my household. How can we emotionally and mentally adjust to any situation? Me being a stay-at-home mom. Um, during the pandemic, us not being able to see our family, um, their grandparents as often as they would like. Um, that is, that's huge because I grew up with all my cousins. I had, I had, I have three younger sisters and I never, um, and I know what it's and, and I and I felt like I, I know what it's like to have a brother mm-hmm. because I had so many brothers I had so many cut male cousins around me, and so now I don't get to see them. What can I do to adjust, to adjust? Yeah, yeah. It's all about adjusting. So y- you yeah. said something earlier um, that I thought was so good, right? Like you knew your kids. After 6 p.m., right? And I think a lot of people, that's that's the case, right? Like you, your kids yeah. go to school in the morning. There is not much interaction that's happening at 7 a.m., right? You're like getting right. them ready for school, having a quick breakfast. Everything's moving really fast. Drop them off at school or daycare. Then you're picking them up at, you know, whatever time you get off of work. And then all you really have to do is maybe sit and do their homework. You interact. You have dinner together. And then you give a, you know, you have bath time. And then it's go to bed. And, you know, I think about all the parents who have been struggling with now having their kids at home all day. Right? And And, you know, having to do school with them virtually and maybe spend, you know, twice as much time as they normally would working through homework because their kids aren't getting that face-to-face time with the teacher and it's putting a little more onus on them, right, to walk through, to to walk their kids through these lessons. So as someone who has now had this experience in homeschooling, what advice would you have um, for, for these parents, right? Like this is their first time having to do this and they're trying to figure it all out. Like what advice would you have for them? kind of hard to have advice because that experience is completely different from mine. I think mm. right now what's happening with the school school districts, um, I think they're trying to figure it out. There's no perfect scenario in any of this. Yeah. For a parent that has to work from home, they have to be in meetings and then monitor their children and making sure that they do their schoolwork, making sure that they're paying attention. It's, it's extremely difficult. I don't even give my kids that much screen time. I can't imagine having them in front of a computer all day. All day, Trying yeah. to pay attention. My kids are so fidgety. I'm like, I can't imagine them sitting there and trying to be in focus and trying to answer questions. And But I say, give the teachers grace. Because they are, they're, they're thrown into this the same way the parents are. Yeah. And they're trying to figure it out. And, and I say that at the same time I say for the teachers in the schools, you gotta give these students grace. I mean, their parents have to work. A six year old is sitting in front of the computer and they're asking to participate and that's part of their grade. No, let's not make that part of their grade. Maybe find a way where I don't know, their efforts and their paperwork is part of that. It's just, it, it's, I don't have an answer for that, but I have family who are working. I have family, I have family and friends who have to go into work 
and they don't know where to put their kids. Yeah. And so their kids have to be, I have, I, and so a lot of them have chosen to homeschool. And so, um, homeschooling, I mean, you don't have to teach Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can teach Friday, Friday evening, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. and then on the weekend. Yeah. And so I have that luxury, but for the, for the parents, um, who have to be at work all day and then they come home and then, and then they have to make sure their kids' schoolwork and you have to take a picture of the document, send it. The kids are tired. They're tired. Um, I, I say that know that this is very new to everyone and we just got to give the kids grace. It's going to be a long time to get them used to this. And you know what? Before you know it, in January, it's going to change again. Yeah. And then next year, we're gonna, it, this is a trial run. Next year may be another trial run. And we kind of have to go with the flow on this and just be. But um, try to be as involved as you can. If that means emailing um, the teachers and making sure that their, their kids are progressing, do that. Because some teachers are not communicating with their parents because they don't, they never have to. And the yeah. parents have no idea how their kids are doing. And so have that conversation. It's parenting together. Have that conversation with your teacher. How is my child, how has my child done? Um, 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 by Friday, send an email. How has my child done for the week? Are they meeting the requirements? What can I do to help support you in teaching my child? Mm. Um, and so I think a lot, of, a lot of that has to be conversations outside of the whole virtual. Having a relationship with a teacher is very helpful as well. Yeah. So um, instead of putting blame on the school and blame on the teacher, figure out what is it that the teacher wants. And then, and then work from there. I mean, that's as far, I mean, that's what I would do Yeah. if I was working and having my kid virtual school. It's really but tough. By, yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. And I think, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but it just goes back to what we said earlier is everyone is trying to adjust right now. Yeah. Like there's this thing is fluctuating. It's changing. We don't know how things are going to be three months from now. Um, right. You know, we don't know how things are going to be for the next school year. So everyone is just trying to do the best with what information we have. And right. I think, like you said, giving teachers grace, the teachers giving students grace, you know, um, teachers giving parents grace, like everyone needs right. to manage expectations right now, right? Like right. what you may get from one student, you may not get anything close from that from another student because their situation at home is completely different. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody Some kids needs don't to have be... devices. They don't, yeah. have, they don't have internet. So there are teachers who have to text their kids. There's, I mean, it's, there are, it, it is a struggle out there in terms of how our kids will do academically. I have, and then I have, on the flip side, I have families who, um, who have their own businesses, who have the luxury to work their own hours. And they're like, this is the best thing that could happen for my kid. My kid almost didn't graduate middle school. Now I get to sit with him or her. And make sure, because what happens in middle school, we care so much about how we dress, how we look, impressing the girl, impressing the boy, that we become more social in school than we are academic and yeah. in, in the academic world. So I think um, there's been pros and cons in all this. But how can we support the working parent? And that's a question that remains in my head. How do you support them? I think that's, that's really hard. important. I think it's um, companies need to figure that out, right? Like, of course, you're paying someone a salary, you you expect a certain level of productivity from that person. But we're in right. unprecedented times. And I right. think the companies that are going to come out of this pandemic as winners are going to be the ones that figured out how to support their people, right? Like, right. the more supportive you are as a boss, as a leader, as an organization, the more you're going to get out of your people. If if I'm working with someone that is, you know, not understanding of the fact that I've got kids at home, and they've got to figure out 
you know, virtual school during the day, but then I also have to have, like, things are complicated. So if you can't give me that understanding, it's going to be impossible for me to really give my best to the work. So I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm so like, I working in tech, I think they, these, the tech industry stays on the forefront of things. And so they tend to be, at least in my experience, really, really supportive and, they have the the foresight, right? Like to see like, okay, this is the direction that things are trending. Our people are going to need X, Y, Z in order to be productive. So let's start thinking about how we're going to get all of those things in place. And um, I think the more companies who adopt that kind of thinking, the better it's it's going to be for, for their employees and for them and for their bottom line. Right, right. Um, so let me ask you this, you know. Sure. This whole, everything that's been happening, we've got the pandemic, and on top of that, um, all of the racial injustice that we've been dealing with, the videos that we've been seeing, um, the the loss of, of young black lives and all of that, I mean, it has such a strong effect on our mental and emotional well-being. So... How, how are you taking care of yourself during these times? Like we talked a lot about what you do for your kids and, and right. how you try to make sure they're somehow shielded from things and um, having some kind of normalcy, which is in- extremely important, but just as important as how, how you're taking care of yourself during this time. I think for me... It is empowering for me when I can empower others. Mm-hmm. And right now, the immediate others in my life, my husband and my children. And so with racial injustice, I think about my kids um, and my role as a mom to them. I am raising, my husband and I are raising men and women. Yeah. I'm not raising this little girl. They're not raising, she's not going to be a little, Leia's not going to be a little girl forever. Yeah. Asando's not going to be a little boy forever. And so in teaching them who they are and where they came from and then talking to them about things in life and how to handle things um, is really important. Um, my, kids, my, my kids know they are black and they know that there are white people and then there are Spanish people. They know that there are people from all over the world. And um, my job is to teach them how to be as independent citizens in this world when I leave this world. Yeah. I don't want them to be dependent on me forever. And so a lot of that also is on my response. My response is, accountability to my actions and and how I respond to a tragedy. And so my heart is heavy when I see, um, I mean, really, I, there are so many names I can pop up, I yeah. can say, but I mean, this Brianna Taylor, I mean, I can be in tears right now. Yeah. A young woman to be laying in her bed. Justice is not served. And so how can you avoid that? In, in a lot of ways, you, you cannot. Um, because tomorrow isn't promised. But I would just hope that, I mean, I have conversations with um, um, particularly white people. Um, I started I started this book club um be the Bridge. There's this book called Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison. It's mm-hmm. about diversity in the church. And I was doing it with some of my friends from church, and I was doing it with friends from my co-op. And I had um, a woman from Cuba, or her family is Cuban, um, a white woman who's married to a Latino, um, a, a white woman who is, um, I think she's married to, I'm, I'm trying to think, everybody who I had on there. But my, okay, so the point is, it was a diverse group. It was a small, intimate mm-hmm. group of six people. And I'm, I'm forgetting because I'm about to start up another one. And, and, and having conversations of what has happened and how America has repeated itself 
is a healthy thing to do. Yeah. It's how we respond to it. And if we dismiss it, we put it under the rug, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Because when it happens again, how are you going to respond to it? Yeah. How do we hold our country accountable to what has what is happening? Some people don't want to. Some people don't understand. Well, I don't think like that is what some of my white friends say. And, and I'm like, yeah, you don't. But I know white people who do think that, um, I don't want to say think that black people can be a threat, but like you can see in, a, you can see in um, how they interact with black people. And so for me is being able to have a conversation with someone who doesn't look like me about what is happening with how our world, how, how our world is divided. Yeah. Do it, doing it as healthy as possible without having to put blame, really. Cause it is what it is. I, I can't make this stuff up. I'm, we can research this stuff. Yeah. It, it... Let's talk about it. I think you're right. You know, it's, it's, I always like to ask people how they're taking care of themselves. And there are just so many different things we can do. And what I'm hearing from you is, um, is talking, right? Whether yeah. that's talking to your husband, talking to your kids, talking to the, the members of your book club. And it's important yeah. because there's so much going on. And if you're just absorbing all of this, all day, every day, and not having an outlet, not letting any of it out, just keeping everything bottled up, you will blow at some point. Right. 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 You will you know, blow. I, so growing up as Haitian American, my experience here, I'm first generation Haitian, and my my experience here, or my experiences are different, my family's experience is different from my husband's experience, hmm. who his father is from Ghana that his mom is American. My mom and his mom do not have the same story. Yeah. Sure, sure people have been racist toward them. My mom has an accent. But I feel like, and I want to say me personally, that my family has come from a place of empowerment where fear is different from fear from Americans here, mm-hmm. black Americans here. And so I remember, I remember, and, and, and so it's still so much that I'm learning really from having conversations with my husband. I'm like, geez, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> you weren't taught it in school. Yeah. So, so I'm teaching my kids. Like I'm, I'm, I'm starting off with teaching. I'm, I'm doing a black history curriculum and I'm teaching my kids and another um, group of kids, um, about black history, just to empower them. Look at all these black people and how we've contributed to this country. Because what do we hear about black people? Slavery and bondage. Mm-hmm. Just sad. And that's the thing that I think is is so um, is so beneficial about homeschooling, right? Is actually having a say in that curriculum. Because right. yeah, there are kind you know, there are benefits to sending your kids to school and it's it's a, you know, it might be an easier load for you, XYZ, whatever, but you don't know what they're teaching your kids. And right. and for from a lot of accepted. Yeah. And it's like I look back at our, you know, middle school experience and even high school experience. And yeah, there's always a little segment of the year where you go over some kind of African-American history, but it's always, always, always about slavery. Whereas, you know, we studied Western enlightenment and all of these different things for every other culture, but you only get to hear about the one thing when it comes to black people. So I love that with homeschooling, you have the ability to, to teach your kids, you know, their history, black history, but in like a right. really deep way. Yeah. It's so empowering even for me. And so having these conversations with my kids, having it with my husband, having it with friends. Um, and it's even, in some ways, it's even more empowering it when I have these conversations with my wife friends who are like, I'm so sorry that you had to like, you have to even consider having to have these conversations with your kids. Um, it's just empowering. It's, it's just, I feel like I have allies. Yeah. And there are people who don't understand, who don't want to understand because they're very comfortable, very comfortable yeah. in 
being safe. I don't want to talk about that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, I have to experience it. And it's just life. And I have to know how to adjust to it. And it's okay. You know, like, I don't, I don't get to just put it under the rug and pretend like it's not okay. It's not happening. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's just, I'm able to have conversations without being angry because I can have conversations. But for people who are angry, and they're right, they should be. (laughs) And so, and I'm, and, and, and I always try to see the grass is greener, but in the other end, I I can't with the, with the phrases. you know what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people my first language was um, was French and Creole. So yeah, but um, but I do I do try to put a positive twist to it. But but some things are not positive. Some things are very negative, and it's yeah. very real, and it's very scary. Yeah. Some things just are what they are. Some things are what they are. Yeah. And it's and it's. It's scary. But I, but I love that. I I think, I think what you said just about making sure you're talking about what's happening, right? Don't just keep it inside. I love that. I think that's really important because when people think of self care, they'll usually jump to like, you know, I'm meditating or maybe I'm doing some yoga or I'm giving myself some me time. But I think you're right. I think it's really important to make sure you're. You're getting this stuff off your chest and you're having these conver- right. very real conversations. Yeah. Name what it is that is bothering you. Name what it is. Just name it. Yeah. And then let's talk about it. And don't discount my feelings toward it. Like if you don't have to take it personal, but just just accept this is what this is how I'm feeling and yeah. this is why I'm feeling this way. And if we have more conversations about it, we'll be more aware um, of it so that history doesn't have to repeat itself. But the more, all that's happening now has happened before. It's just social media yeah. is making it more. Um, it's putting uh, it on front street. Yes, exactly. And so it's nothing new. <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting that people, a lot of people think it's something new. Uh, well, I think that we did some self-care today yeah, by having this great conversation. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us, to share some of your story with our listeners and with me. Um, and the two biggest takeaways that I would ask people to really think about today is one, just make sure you can adjust. As right. you know, it, do not think that things have to be a certain way try to try to adjust because the situation we're in is going to continue changing and what matters is how you handled it how you make the best of it how you adjust and secondly i would say to take the time to have conversations not only with your family your friends your kids but like sylvie said with people who don't look like you right those are the kinds of conversations that will move the needle in the direction um, that we all hope things things will you know will go. So Sylvie, I thank you, thank you, thank you for joining thank us today on Thoughts and Tea. Thank you so much. I love your energy. I love. I felt like I was just having a conversation with a girlfriend. It was great. It was good reconnecting with you, and I'm just so happy with the work that you're doing. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. And to our listeners, as always, if you have a friend or colleague that you think would have enjoyed today's topic. Please let them know that the show will replay next week. And remember, you can always catch up on past episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed this Thoughts and Tea Hour, please share the links on your social media channels. And even if you didn't enjoy them, please share them anyway, because someone else might. And as always, please remember to check out some of the other great shows in our Radio Africa 1804 lineup. Um, Sylvie, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope to have you back on again soon. And to everyone, have a great rest of the week. This has been Thoughts and Tea, and I am your host, Lori Lee.